Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, corporeal and non-corporeal listeners. Greetings to everyone, Ben. Um, I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and you can find our work all over the internet. In fact, I'm going to ask Ben to tell people where they can find his latest work. Sure. Ben, go for it. Uh, okay, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work, if you are wondering, you can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and TechSpot. Ben, um, I was away for a little bit, but I'm back now. I'm back in action. And uh, we've got some cars to talk about. I think you've got a pretty interesting car, and one that I think our listeners would, would assume that you just have a thing for, right? What do you mean a thing for? I think they would assume that this is right up your alley. I mean, this is a... Well, I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna spoil it. This is a V8-powered Jeep, it, similar to what you've got in your own driveway. Specifically, a V8 where a V8 doesn't belong. I think is oh the real definition of this vehicle, which is again just like the the vehicle in your own driveway. Well, no, I mean my vehicle came with a V8. It was just a a weak it, it and sad. V8. It got swapped out for another one. A weak and sad V8 that that nobody loves. Although I did manage to sell it after I pulled it out of the Jeep. Which was kind of funny. It took almost no time at all. The guy was putting it in a race car, so wow! kudos to that guy. <laughs> uh, for reference, um, we've got some Coles notes here, our footnotes. This is, ben is currently talking about his own Grand Wagoneer, which he has an LS swap in. Yes. But the car you test drove recently is not a Grand Wagoneer. Nor is an it an LS. One. Nor is it an oh. LS. Yes. What is it? What's going on? It's a Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392, Sammy. I know the first three words of that sentence. What does 392 mean? So the 392 refers to the displacement in cubic inches of the 6.4 liter V8 that Chrysler puts in other vehicles. It has like the Scat Pack and the Dodge Durango and the 2500 series Ram. It has no relation to how much money you'll be spending at the pump? Well, it's roughly $392 (laughs) per fill up. Yeah, see? Uh, the entire rear seat of the Jeep is removed and replaced <laughs> with a fuel tank, which is really disconcerting because it <laughs> sloshes all the time. It's like driving it's like driving very close to a bomb, I guess. Which is why it has this exhaust mode so you can you can ignore all the sloshing oh and you goodness. can just hear all the exhaust noise, so right? What is the deal with a V8 powered Wrangler like this? Everyone has been clamoring. Uh, okay, maybe not everyone. everyone but- a lot of people have been clamoring for a V8-powered Wrangler for a long time. Because the last time there was a V8-powered Wrangler, Sammy, Tom Cruise was climbing into the cockpit of an F-14 Tomcat. And Isn't he currently doing that? It was He is currently doing that again. See, <laughs> time is a flat circle. So as the CJ7 Renegade, which was the last Jeep Wrangler-like vehicle. So the wow. CJ, the civilian Jeep, was the predecessor to the Wrangler. The Wrangler came out immediately after. But it was the last one that had a V8 engine. So now Tom Cruise, back in not a Tomcat, but at least some kind of fighter jet of some kind. And Jeep back with a Wrangler that has an enormous engine. And they really went for it this time. It's like... I think the CJ7 was a pretty uh, modestly Modest. sized motor, but this one is 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 the anti modesty. This is like <laughs> this is like showing up at the Oscars in a sheer dress kind of uh, a- anti modesty. Yo, but you know I would do that. Right? I know you would do that, and you do that for the fans, and yes. the fans love you for it. But I don't know if a V8 Wrangler is is my is my jam. That sounds that sounds kind of uh, overwhelming. Like what? Well, we're, we're all we're, the senses. 
Well, we're really used to Chrysler putting big V8s where they don't belong, um, or at least finding new ways to put big V8s in, in vehicles. We, we, we joke about how they're trying to Hellcat all the things, right? Yeah. But really, the Hellcat is only part of the story. The, the 6.4 has been in almost as many, if not as many vehicles or platforms as the Hellcat motor. And it's pretty formidable. It's 470 horsepower, 470 pound-feet of torque. That is 175 more torque than the... Uh, Two liter turbo four, which is yeah. the next torquiest motor you can get. Um, there is an exception though. If you get the four by E, yeah, which has an electric motor to go with its gas motor, that matches the three ninety two in terms of torque, not horsepower, Ooh. but torque. Uh, so you but, get you get a you get a bit of the idea with a four by E. Right? You kind of do, but you only get it for so long, right? Like yeah. it's not. Uh, but the the other thing to note is there's a difference between the 4xe and the Rubicon 392 in terms of weight because the Rubicon 392 doesn't come with the 800 pounds of battery and electric drivetrain that the um, that the 4xe does. And sure, the so it's v- actually light. It's actually lighter than oh, the, it's way the electric. It's way lighter than the electric one. Wow. I mean, it's obviously heavier heavier than the Turbo 4 or the V6, but not by yeah. a huge margin. So okay. so. All of this adds up to a Jeep that does 0 to 60 in four seconds. <laughs> oh, okay. And I can assure you, the Wrangler platform was four never, seconds, never four intended, seconds in, Sammy. In what conditions? In like... Like drag strip conditions? Like real world, just the asphalt, just it hits four seconds. Yeah, pretty much. Um, wow. And it really shouldn't. It really shouldn't at all. Because as soon as you hit that accelerator, it just, it just goes crazy. It's like you're detonating something underneath the vehicle. The, it, it throws you back. The front wheels want to go one way. The rear wheels want to go another way. Oh, yeah. Because this is a Rubicon. Don't forget. This isn't some kind of street <laughs> performance Jeep with, like, so really... Got, yeah, it, yeah. It doesn't have the grippy tires that you would you've want. You've got knobs. You've got knobby tires. It has 33-inch tires from the factory, but you can ex- you can spec the Extreme Recon package, which gives you 35-inch KO2s. So imagine, okay, of course, you would do that. There's no way you're going to get any kind of traction, right? Like, and when you do get traction, there's no way to steer it as it goes super fast. So even if you're off road and you hit this, you hit the accelerator, you're going to like trigger an avalanche. You're going to throw up like a mud tsunami. You're going to hurt some people, man. Rock like, slide, yeah, for sure. It's the kind of thing you don't want to be anywhere near when it's going full throttle. It and Chrysler has realized that it, it has a top speed of 112 miles per hour. Which, which feels slow until you realize that's 112 miles an hour in a Wrangler is faster than you've ever been in any other circumstance ever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So, first of all, like, when you hit the throttle, you must just start staring at the sky. Like, that's all it happens. When you hit the right? throttle, your first thought is, do I have a will? <laughs> your second thought is, is this steering wheel attached to anything? Yeah. And your third thought is... I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> that is the trifecta of Wrangler Rubicon 392 thought process. And Amazing. I also okay. want to underscore, this is not an SRT. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not like... Well, obviously, I think SRT might have put a little bit more effort in some of those, uh, in, in the refi- in refining a couple of those elements. No? Well, I mean, it's not like Jeep's like engineers. So. The, the engineers didn't show up and they're like, okay, we're giving the Wrangler a ton of power. Should we maybe fix other aspects of its driving experience? You know, maybe tighten things up a little bit. No. Those they, engineers didn't show up. No, they, they were never called. <laughs> yeah. So instead, you just have 470 horsepower 
and and a platform doing its best not to explode <laughs> when you when you get on the throttle. And um, it's the four door, right? So yeah. like, it's it's got the extended wheelbase, and you think that would help a little bit compared to the the base one. But in a review that I wrote, I mentioned that that was kind of like giving a cheat sheet to a dog that's taking the LSATs. Like it's like it's not really going to help anybody. Uh, in in that situation, it's not. Um, it, I, I don't know. I've no one Air, is prepared. Airbud. I have, I believe if you gave Airbud a cheat sheet, he'd probably a fit. I don't think Airbud had to answer any questions before he or she or it got onto the basketball court. Right? Was it yeah. basketball? He did a lot of he did he did a lot of sports. But what was the first fa- sport? Him and his family. Yeah, basketball. Come okay. on. Man. And then I, I'm sure there was a football one. Right? I, yeah. I have a question. I've never seen Airbud. I know that sounds odd. How does a dog get a basketball in its mouth? Um, it doesn't need to. It just pops it and it, it bops it with its nose. Wow, that must really hurt. Three, three pointers. If on. I bopped a basketball with my nose, I would go to the emergency room. <laughs> oh, I don't know what basketball. They call it the rock, right? On the court. Yeah. It, it's not actually a rock. If it hit you in the face, if a basketball hit you in the face at game speed, I'm pretty sure it would break your nose. No, it, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I, is it'll, this going to be a bonus episode? Because it sounds like it sounds yeah. like a bonus episode shaping up. Yes, of course. So, um, so I, I, Sammy, I'm flummoxed by this vehicle. Yeah, I'm ask, I'm going to ask you. Like, we've people have apparently wanted a V8 Wrangler for a long time. It's happened. Should they have not done this? Now? I mean, I mean, the only response really is, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, why is that? Ha- why is that the response? Because of all the things I just mentioned, it is a crazy vehicle. It is. I don't say this very often, but this is like something that maybe should not exist. Like in the wor- is, in the best way or the worst. No, way? it's it's just. So, you have to underline this because there are people who read that headline V8 Wrangler and go. Oh heck yeah! So, there in the, in the nineties they made this Wrangler. They made a Renegade again. Um, it wasn't the same as the one in the eighties. It was different. It was like a street cheap kind of, and it had okay. like a body kit and all this stuff. And they weren't popular because no one wanted that. They wanted like a rough and tumble Wrangler, right? Yeah. Um, and it kind of feels like if they brought that back with the three ninety two, then maybe it would make a little more sense. But basically, the the six point four liter V eight amplifies everything about the Rubicon that is terrible on, on the pavement. It just exploits the platform in the worst way. Yeah. So, I mean, the Wrangler, the Rubicon, I think, is the best-looking Wrangler, but it's also the worst to drive in normal circumstances, mostly because of those tires, but also because of the suspension settings. And that steering, which is basically, like, you're constantly swinging your steering oh, left yeah. and right to so, keep it going straight. So with the 392, you have to swing even faster because everything <laughs> is happening all at once, and you're about to die. <laughs> And so what? Does it not have brakes? What's the, what's the deal here? Did oh, they not it, improve sure, the brakes? It has brakes, but I mean, like your reaction time is not going to catch up to what the the chassis is is hopelessly overmatched by this power. This it's it's really a Frankenstein's monster experience where it, this engine was never intended to be put in something so primitive. And I I know that the, the Wrangler is you know not not exactly primitive, and and with the the Turbo Four, I think it's a really fun vehicle that I would never own because of all this, the, the um, sacrifices and compromises you have to make. But once you put the V8 in and there's, there's, there's not really a sport mode. There's a sport exhaust 
for the vehicle. And once you turn that on, it's horrendously loud. It is super loud, like to the point where you can't hear the stereo or have a conversation with, with your passenger. Hold on. That's normal in a, in a Jeep. Yeah, but like even more so. And, and what's weird is it has a, a cylinder deactivation mode. So if you're cruising on the highway, even if you have the sport exhaust on, it like goes, it sounds like a potion or something. It's really not happy because it's like four cylinders going out these massive pipes. It's my, my vehicle, the tester that I drove was finished in a really nice green. It looked fantastic. But every time I turned it on, everyone within a hundred feet hated my guts. It's yeah. so loud. And on top of all of this, it costs 80 grand, Sammy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's like oh, starts at 80 grand. That is a lot of money. And I know people love to option out Jeeps even further. Oh, yeah. It's like, what do they call Mopar or Nopar or something like that? Uh, you tell me. Yeah, I hope so. It gets 17 miles per gallon on the highway. Hey, I, not bad. <laughs> uh, I had to I had to take a road trip to deliver some tires because that's oh all God. I do these days. Why do you torture yourself like this? And I had the choice between my 37-year-old Jeep or 35-year-old Jeep, and this brand-new Wrangler Rubicon. And I took my Jeep because it's more comfortable and gets better fuel mileage, which is, is insane to me. Can you repeat that? You're telling me your Jeep, 39, 35 years old, steer, it, it steers, it brakes, it goes in a, in a relatively straight line. Way more comfortable to drive. <laughs> and not nearly, as, not nearly as aggro as, like, trying to maneuver the Wrangler, especially on the highway. It was just so... It really sounds like I'm hating on this vehicle. Um, it's an experience, though. It, it feels like something that ev- every enthusiast needs to like no, no, look no. at and be in. No, no, no. And then realize that ain't for me. I don't think everyone needs to try it. I think it's, that, a, it's an amusement park ride. I think there's a very yeah. But here's the thing about amusement park rides: they're <laughs> restricted to the amusement park. This one is on like public streets. <laughs> Pedestrians and other drivers are exposed to this roller coaster on a regular basis. Um, and I, I think this is a swan, a weird swan song for all of the um for all the the gas cars, and this is happening not just with the Wrangler. All sorts of weird cars are getting more powerful. Cadillac Escalade V. There's a new Bronco uh, Raptor or something like that. Yeah, so that's there's exactly a, that's exactly why we're going to sorry why the why Wrangler, we're going to die. Why the 392 exists is because Bronco R, whatever it's called, um, Bronco Ra- is it Raptor or R? Let's say Raptor. I think that's right. So the Bronco, the Bronco Raptor, it, it exists now, and Jeep needs to steer the conversation away from the Bronco because the Bronco is very, very popular. So how do you do that? You make a crazy Wrangler. So I understand right. that. I understand the marketing behind it. Um, for eighty thousand dollars, though, I'd really like them to paint the inside of the hardtop so it's not just white fiberglass. Come on. No, that's great. Come on. How but hard like is I said, that? There's all these weird, like Frankenstein last engine, like. Last gas-powered only vehicle. And again, what's the other one? Defender. Defender V8. Another car re- that required no extra engine. And they get they put one in. But right? I think like, Defend- Defender V8 makes sense because I think people look... That's that's a high-end luxury vehicle. You know, like, so I get that. Or at least it wants to be. Okay. I don't know. This is, uh, to me, this is some weird, like, celebration of V8s and Jeep together. Um, I don't think it makes sense, but... I think they needed to do it for their own sake before they went crazy with um, electric vehicles. I think that they already had a pretty compelling drivetrain, and they have a very popular, like, in the turbo. Mm-hmm. The V6 is, it's neither here nor there at this point. But um, 
What the, was the story about the the four by E? I swear I shared. I'm saying this the four by E is very very popular. So they have a popular one and they have a very good one, and now they have a crazy one that makes no sense at all. And and like normally I like crazy cars with character, but this vehicle honestly it just it take it, as I mentioned earlier it takes the worst aspects of the Wrangler experience and like dials the volume up to eleven and then asks you to deal with it and turns around and crosses its arms and won't speak to you ever again. <laughs> it is it is a wild machine. And I, I didn't take it off-road because I think the only place where you could really sample, like, at the, the vehicle at full throttle and not fear for your life or or safety would be, like, on the dunes somewhere, just, like, bashing down some wide-open area, kind of like what the Bronco Raptor's going to be designed yeah. for. You know? Maybe, I, yeah. I mean, I feel the same way about the Raptor pickup and the TRX. Those vehicles are much bigger, but they're marginally in more control <laughs> than, than the Rubicon 392. Yeah. Why is that? I think longer wheelbase and better better front suspension. I don't think there's solid axle. So then, okay, longer wheelbase. Not so sure this, about that. If this V8 happened in the Gladiator, you, you'd think that'd be a good no, fit? I, I don't like the Gladiator at all. <laughs> so, yeah, nonsense. This is just nonsense. Yeah, I, I really hope it doesn't make it to the Gladiator. I mean, I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that until now. Oh, no, I'm sorry, man. Now, now gonna I'm be... not going to sleep tonight. Thanks, so. <laughs> There is something strange. I need to talk about this um, 4xE thing. For the first half of 2022, Jeep has sold nearly 20,000 of these 4xEs. Sold and delivered. By comparison, Toyota, who makes the RAV4 Prime, which was in a very hot demand, has only sold half of that, 10,000 units. That's think, crazy to me. Yeah, but it's probably production line. I mean... That's, that's just whatever space is available. I mean, Toyota's obviously selling way more RAV4s altogether than the than the Jeep Wrangler, right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Wrangler sells a lot. But, like, the RAV4 is, like, consistently the best-selling car every year. There's also a big price differential between these vehicles. I guess so. But just, that, would, that would seem to favor the uh, RAV4. Yeah. But I, I was just trying to make it clear, like, the Wrangler is more, as popular as... as it's ever been, I think. Well, I mean, a lot of people are able to buy a Wrangler 4xE and take advantage of the tax rebate. Yeah. You know, and For that him. gives them an excuse. Oh, I can buy a Wrangler and it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much it costs because I'm going to get $7,500 back or whatever it is. This is crazy. I, I thought you would love this uh, 392. I Mainly really because I thought the noises would be just intoxicating. I thought that power train could be uh, managed. And uh, clearly I was wrong. Yeah, it's just not for me. Um, I didn't know how I would react to it. Uh, Who is it for? I don't think it's for anybody, really. I don't even think it's for most people. I think it's like a very small subset of people who will be into this vehicle. And as someone who has, as you mentioned, a hot rod V8 Jeep, <laughs> like, I'm not that person. So that's kind of wild, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I I went through a lot of effort to, I mean, my Jeep's only about 400 horsepower, but that's almost triple what it came with from the factory. So... Um, I get it. I get the idea behind hot rodding a Jeep. I just think that this was not the way to do it, or it's just too much for me. Maybe I'm getting old and soft. Um, anything else you want to add about this Jeep, or, or do you want me to talk about? No, I think uh, I've assassinated its character enough. Okay, I've got another car that we need to talk about, which is super confusing, similar to the way that uh, your Jeep was. First of all, it's a Mercedes. It's a Mercedes Benz, and it's one of their compact cars, front wheel drive based vehicles. Okay. It's not the CLA, it's not the GLA, it's not the A-Class, it is something called the GLB. When which you say is, front-wheel drive-based Mercedes, 
<clears throat> I'm instantly excited. I know, you're not. Nobody is. And I think this is a really big problem. Because, first of all, I thought, and, and I, I need to be clear with you, I thought the A-Class was a really cool car. Uh, the A-Class hatchback. I thought that was going to be a right fit for um, suburban um, Mercedes-Benz customers. And that's dead now, right? And it's not happening. They instead made the CLA and the GLA two utterly impractical vehicles that have put style over substance, I think is the best way to describe it. What makes they, you say that, though? What makes them they so are, impractical? They're small. They're they're not fun to drive. Um, they're, they're Especially the, the, the CLA, which is built as a four-door coupe, which means that the rear wheels, the rear seats are completely useless. And the GLA, which is based on that same car, also feels impractical. It feels like a hatchback um, trying cosplaying as, a, as an SUV, and it just doesn't deliver because the car was originally designed as an A-Class, and that was successful, right? So we're not talking A-Class, though. We're talking but we're not talking about, we're talking about GLB, which yeah. is the car I think should have been in, in, like offered from the get-go when all these cars were, were developed. Okay, this is a <clears throat> essentially a wagon. Like I, I don't know how else to describe it. They might call it a like it's part of their GL lineup, which is all SUVs. It's essentially a wagon. It's very spacious. It's boxy. It's super practical. Um, and I, it, it's not like overstyled like the GLA and CLA. It's actually relatively conservative and and good looking um, in terms of exterior styling. And then the model I have was um, an AMG powered model, but not like a not like a wacky model. It's the AMG 35. Um, that's the most powerful version you can get of the car. It has 300 horsepower and 200 and uh, I think 95 pound feet of torque. When you say not wacky, though, what does that mean? I think the CLA 45 comes with like another another 60 horsepower or something. Okay, CLA I, 45, but not we're talking GLB. Yes, I know. I think I'm I, I'm trying to let you know that these all use similar. Platforms, parts, powertrains. I'm super confused. It's like I don't know which one I should buy or which one I want. Yeah, that's the problem with Mercedes, right? Like these three cars, the CLA, the GLA, the GLB, are all these like compact – they're 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 compact, um, affordable – I'll put that in quotes um, – offerings for people who, who can't or don't want to get into a CLA or a GL – I mean a C-Class, a GLC, um, or anything uh, bigger than those two. So they, they opt for these, and we, we've had this like weird watering down of the brand for a long time, right? Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I think the GLB is probably more successful than this, than the, like, in, as a product, as an overall product, than the CLA and the GLA were. So you think it's think kind it's actually, of like Mercedes was throwing darts at a board and they finally narrowed their aim to something that works? It's, we, it, I don't know if this is going to be successful in the market. I just think this is what they should have had from the get go because, the powertrain is really good, um, for the most part. 300, horse, 300 horsepower. Sorry, I touched the mic there. That's is that okay. okay. Everyone knows. I apologize. You don't have to tell us. Um, the, the powertrain is actually really good. It can do 0 to 60 in, about, in, in under 5 seconds, which is pretty quick. Um, it uses an 8-speed dual-clutch transmission, which feels really good in, in, in speed, but off the line or at low speeds, it can sometimes feel a little bit sluggish. It upshifts a little early, and that means when you come up to, like, a stop sign or something, it just kind of, like, lugs a bit, and you just don't get that, that instant reaction that you expect from a car, especially one that has an AMG bra- brand on it. But otherwise, I really appreciate the way this thing kind of takes off. I need to add, there are some, like, there's some interesting split here. It has all-wheel drive. Primarily, 
operates in in front wheel drive about like an 80 20 split in the in the comfort mode um and then 70 to 70 30 front to rear in sport mode so um it doesn't really get super rear power yeah that feels almost like a i don't know <laughs> yeah nothing it feel- <laughs> we have to do something kind of thing yeah, and I think in the slippery conditions mode or whatever you're like, then when when you're stuck, it can send up to fifty percent of the power. But apparently, it just doesn't want to do that all the time, which is uh, a bit sad. Um, I I I really found it surprising that um, it changes direction really well. It feels uh, really compact and and comfortable in tight city conditions. I've I've been driving driving it around uh, town all day and uh, sorry all week and in. On my way getting downtown on the highways, this thing picks up speed really nicely. It gets people out of the way. Uh, I thought I thought that was really cool. Well, it gets you sorry, not gets people out of the way. It's not like intimidating, but it uh, it manages to get you from from you know sort of gap to gap really easily. Um, and I, I found that to be really really impressive actually. Um, I'm I'm impressed as well with the um, practicality of the, of the product. It offers um, a pretty serious amount of, of storage space. I think about uh, 20 cubic feet in it behind the rear seats. You can also, for whatever reason, if you really want to, if you really want to punish somebody, there's a third row option, which um, lowers that re- that cargo space to five cubic feet and puts some rear seats back there, which is not. Very, I wouldn't recommend that. That seems that seems wild. Wait, what? Say that again. It. In place of like ha- more than half of the rear seat, uh, sorry, in place of more than half of the rear cargo space, they put a third row of seats. Okay, I've seen a GLB in passing. Yes. And I yes. don't understand how they can fit. To me, this is like, it's like a dollhouse in the back, right? Like, you could maybe put a Cabbage Patch Kid back there? I don't know. I, I, I don't have this product. I don't have that. I mean, I don't have that option. It's an $850 option, and that's something that we need to talk about. Um, as well, there are a lot of options for this product. Um, it starts at just under 50k, with options, um, and not even all the options are. The tester that I have is uh, over 60, so over 10,000 dollars on what is considered to be a, a, a quote-unquote entry-level Mercedes. At 60k, wouldn't you rather just get like a, a GLC? I, I think that that starts to make a lot more sense. But my other question is, like, what is the interior like, just in terms of quality? Quality, okay, so some parts are really good, some parts um, really feel flimsy. I think there's a lot of, like, hollow-feeling materials. But there are some parts that just, when you feel them, there's no, there's no premiumness to the, to the quality of the product, right? So like, you're saying that the, the price, the price um, doesn't, doesn't accurately reflect the quality of the vehicle you're getting. And, and does the interior match what you would get in yeah. a GLC? No, I think a GLC is far more attractive inside um, than the GLB, and even this AMG model, uh, to uh, I would say a, a, a not an entry level GLC, but something like low mid mid trim GLC would be would be better. Wow, Easy. but there's no there's no AMG GLC, is there? Yeah, I think there's a 43 and a 63 actually. Is there a 63? Okay, I didn't know that because like 43, yeah. it's it's walking the borderline of okay, you're not really an AMG, it's like AMG line kind of thing. But and I mean that makes over that makes over 300 horsepower compared to this thing that makes 300 horsepower. But is but it's considerably larger. <clears throat> yes, uh, a larger um, and just feels more confident. I think 
But this feels like a hot hatch at times. Like it feels like a hot hatch. I, I, it's a very strange shaped hot hatch. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine, imagine a hot hatch with a third row of seats. Like I'm trying to think. Like if you had a Golf R and they're like, for eight hundred dollars, we'll create a torture chamber in the rear of your cargo area. I mean, if you closed your mo- if you closed your eyes and you thought of the boxiest compact, you'd think of something like a, a, a Scion XB. Then you put like enough luxury materials to make it worth a, a Lexus nameplate, and then you put a turbocharged um, engine, a dual-clutch transmission, all-wheel drive, and if you wanted a third row in the cargo space, that's what you got. It's a very bizarre, you know, like checklist of of items here. I don't know who wants this car. If they sold the GLB and even the 250 model at the, the entry level. Instead of the CLA, GLA, and A-Class, I think it would be more popular. It is essentially a, a boxy wagon, um, a compact boxy wagon um, for Mercedes customers. And I think that's, that, that is good enough. But at this it's, AMG it's, I mean, level, it's, it's, I mean, running, it's running out of steam and it's getting a little expensive. I mean, good enough is not really that's, – that's not a lot of praise for, for a Mercedes. Mercedes. Yeah. yeah, a luxury product. Like if I was, if I was Mercedes, I wouldn't be happy to, to market a good enough product. And let's talk here. I've got a car that doesn't have a heated steering wheel. There's no option for a heated steering wheel. Is that weird? Am I am I am I getting like nitpicky here? It does seem strange that I can add a third row of seating but not a heated steering wheel. <laughs> Absolutely. That's nonsense, right? Um I will say I uh, I have been having fun with it though. Um it has it, it when you put it into sport mode and it has that like dial on the steering wheel. I think they call it the AMG drive unit, which is the most ridiculous name for something when you put it in the sport and sport plus mode the cabin gets so loud it has the ultimate performance sound pleasure thing whatever you want to call it um and it's just so fake like it it digitizes that that audio note so much it's un, it's unbelievable um and it's just so silly to have this small four-cylinder um boxy wagon generate all this all this drama inside the car <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, what, what are you going to ask me would I recommend this? Who's it for? Yeah. I have no clue. But also, Mercedes has cars for too many people. But also, I was going to ask you, like, if you're shopping for this, what else are you shopping for? Yeah, what else are you shopping Is this a 1 Series or, a, or an XC40 competitor? I don't know. Those feel more like SUVs than this. You know? I mean, I guess so. I mean, XC40 sounds a lot bigger than a GLB, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, this is, it's just a bizarre white space filling product. I don't know what they're, they just love to offer a, a new car to everybody. I don't know what the this is. The thing is, like, there's not a lot of high performance options at that size for, yes. uh, this is in the luxury world. About. I mean, now we have the Kona N, which is which like. Which is half the price. Which is half the price, but it's also way outside the luxury realm, right? And front wheel drive. Yeah. Uh, but if you, you know, you look at BMW, you look at Audi, they don't really have anything that's like small and super sporty. I, the, the, there's a, there's not even an M. X, X2 M something or not other. Currently it's not currently on the market. Not currently on the market. Supposedly. X2 M is gone? Yeah. It's supposedly, there'll probably be one by the end of the year because if you look at the EPA website, they have ratings for it, but you can't buy one on the BMW website right now. Um, which makes sense because the X1 is all new at the end of this year. The X2 is still the old platform. So I'm assuming when the new X2 arrives, they'll lead with the, the 35 or the 40 or whatever they call it. Yeah. Good call. Right now, all, all you can get is the, is the 28i. Yeah. Which is like a whole second slower to 60, for and example. There's, there's no way you could, um, there's, there's no way you could 
Uh, what, what was the point I'm trying to make? Practicality-wise, maybe? No, there's no way you could put a third row in the back of an X2. <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> That's where I, I was going with that. I don't think you're supposed to put a third row in the back of the GLV, either. Just because they can doesn't mean you should. So what are your final thoughts on the on the, uh, on the the GLB? Like, uh, you're, you're pretty lukewarm about recommending it. I um, wouldn't recommend it unless this car is for you. Like, unless you're the guy who called up Mercedes and was like, listen, here's what I need. Like a really expensive gave- front-wheel drive bias Subaru WRX wagon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what this is. Which is, which sounds really great in that, in that, in that, uh, summary. But it's not a Mercedes, right? No. It's a very bizarre car. Um, it has personality, which is nice. It's, uh, it's expensive, which is not. It's flimsy inside, which is not, uh, nice. And, uh, it's expensive. I said that already. I don't know. It's not my jam, but I, I had, I still had fun driving it. It's like the opposite of you, which is you didn't have fun and it's not your jam. I, I, I did have fun, but it's still not my jam. All right. Well, um, I think that wraps things up for this week. Wow, we're done already? We're done. Why? It's, it's been 36 minutes, Sammy. Wow. I mean, and people are going to be looking at the time on their, on their uh, podcast and be like, 36 minutes? This says 33 minutes. Well, that's because I've cut out three minutes of secret <laughs> content that, uh, that no one will ever hear. But, um. Should yeah. we sell the secret content as part of a Patreon? If we were going to sell the secret content, you could probably find it at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, which is where we have all of our past podcasts. I think there's over 280 episodes now. That is a lot of time to spend listening. I know that, uh. A lot of free content when you really think about it. I, I know a number of uh, friends of the show, um, have listened to the entire run. Uh, and I know some people have done it more than once. So shout out to, to uh, our hardcore listeners. Um, if you want to become a hardcore listener, you can find those episodes there. You can also find links to wherever we are in the podcast sphere. So you get all the podcasters that are out there, Castbox, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, we are everywhere. You can search for us on your podcatcher directly and find us there and subscribe. If you do that and you can leave a rating of any kind, please do that. Please leave a rating and a comment. It really helps out. Um, additionally, if you want to get in touch with us, that's something you can do when you're on our website. There's a contact form there. You fill it out. Or you can email us the old-fashioned way. That's uh, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or I think uh, preferably you could reach out to us on social media. You can find Ben on Instagram. He's at HuntingBenjamin. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, H-A, like you're laughing. And uh, what are we going to be talking about next week, Sammy? I believe I have an Elantra N. I, I also have an Elantra N. <laughs> What a surprise. What a strange but coincidence. I also want to talk to you be, uh, about some things that are happening in the automotive industry right now because there are a couple of really big events, including Monterey Car Week, Pebble Beach, um, and the Woodward Dream Cruise, which is always full of all sorts of exciting announcements. And uh, I think our listeners will want to hear our take on that. And also, next week's episode, uh, Sammy and I are going to be recording it together in person, which almost never happens. So Ooh. there's going to be a weird energy. <laughs> there's going to be a good – I think it's going to be the best energy uh, we've had in uh, in 200 episodes. All right. So thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, and talk to you later, Ben. Bye. Bye. <laughs>